and welcome to the Off The Fence podcast. Before we get stuck into this week's episode, make sure you're following us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and please do leave a rating and review. This is the place to be as we head towards the Cheltenham Festival, so make sure you don't miss any of Barry or Tony's tips, previews or reviews leading into the biggest jumps racing event of the season. Let's get into the show. Welcome to Off The Fence. This is your weekly rundown of all things jump racing and of course this is the most important show you will watch of the series because this is our Cheltenham Festival preview show. As always I am joined by Barry and Tony. Uh, Tony how are you? Only a week to go now? Thing excitement's running high over there? Yeah all good. Looking forward to getting going now. Um, just do want to point out before we start like we are still eight days out from the meeting and it's important like, like we'll have all of opinions tonight. Uh, opinions might well change between now and then. We'll have ground, we'll have pace, we'll have horses dropping in, maybe the odd horse parachuting out. Um, and yeah form working out uh, as the week goes on. Like Sometimes the horse you have in your mind now for maybe races on day three and day four the form has been absolutely rubbished um, in the first two days. So just, just to bear that in mind like um, we will be back next week and keep up to date and follow along every day. Can I, yeah absolutely, can I just ask you Tony, do you take the week off teaching? Uh, no, I don't actually, because that'd be pretty barefaced now, disappearing for Cheltenham every year, so I kind of just tough it out actually, so yeah, yeah, not say the attention would be amazing next week, but sure, we'll get through it. That's a good effort from you. Uh, Barry, how how are you? Good, Vanessa, thanks. Yeah, I was in Navin on Saturday, um, not an amazing card, but there was some uh, some nice horses schooling after racing, so there was some some interest. Ah yes, are you gonna are you gonna expand on that now, or are we saving that for later on in the show? Oh, we can mention it later. Yeah, no, Willie's school a good few. Um, album photo of cheek pieces, uh, an argument school as well, and a couple of novices. So it was uh, okay. a little bit interesting anyway. Okay, we'll come to that in due course. But without further ado, let's kick straight on. The way we're going to do this is we're going to do, obviously, in chronological chronological order, starting on the Tuesday Supreme all the way through to the Gold Cup and the Mayor's Chase on the Friday. Um, we're going to do all the big races, the Grade 1 races, and then we're going to do our handicap picks and our best bets at the end of the show, hopefully all within the hour if I stop rattling on. Uh, let's get going. Let's start with the Supreme, and it's straight over to you, Barry, because, of course, your beloved Constitution Hill goes here and you saw him in the week I did yeah I called him to Nicky's on Wednesday and he brought me down to show me him he looks really well um, he commented how he's really come of his coat in the last week which is always a great sign this time of year um, and it's something that Nicky would be looking out for in particular but he's really happy with him his work has been really good he will work again tomorrow morning um, and his final piece he was in Kempton last week he was happy with that so all is good with him um, but it's obviously a really really strong race and a lot hinges on what Willie's going to do with Sir Gerhard and uh, Dysart Dynamo and he has Kilcrut there which he has committed uh, John Bon is there who has to have a big chance as well and there's even horses you know fancy price at three stripe life who's got some good place for him in graded races 25 to 1 not without a chance Mighty Potter is a nice price too so it's a really really deep race this so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what does line up but um Obviously, I'm a Constitution Hill, and I'm I'm very much happy to stick with him. Head and heart, Constitution Hill for you, and just uh, of those horses you've mentioned, Barry, of all of them, is it Sir Gerhard you'd be most worried about if he tips up in this? Yeah, well, on his run in Leopardstown, especially, um, you know, he 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 some quality horses strung out. My mate Mozzie was was a furlong behind him, um. And he was only touched off in a great run on his on his previous start. So he's a very, very good horse, I'd say. He obviously won the bumper last year. Um Dysart Dino was really impressive in the Moscow Flyer in Punchestown. Um and he to me would look more like a two miler if he was to split the two of those. But he's he's been raving and the reports are really good on Kilcourt as well. So it's John Bon is there. I know people are cribbing at him, but I don't think Hayda would have been his track. His form has worked out well, and um, he has to be respected. But it's just, it's such a quality race. As I mentioned, three stripes out of 25 to 1. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tony, you've had a slightly on and off relationship with Sir Gerhard. Uh, if he shows up here, would he be the most potent Irish threat in this against the likes of Constitution Hill? 
I'd say he would because he, he, he'd be the Willie Mullins selected. Um, I did want to cover that off a little bit just about the, the Willie Mullins switchers. Um, I know it's been dominating the conversation a little bit over the last week or so. Um, there was a time when the switchers were a very frequent thing with Mullins. Like going back there to the, the mid-2010s, 20, uh, it happened all the time. Um, like Annie Power switching from the Mayor's Hurdle to the Champion Hurdle. Black Hercules was a, was a major example going from the longer races back to what was then the JLT. Um, sort of Champs, similar type of profile. Like, uh, very successful methods. Uh, I, I think when he did switch horses, it, it worked out more often than not. Uh, I think it's these tough decisions he does put a lot of time into, and he, he would have a, a very good record of getting them right. Um, recent years, there haven't been so many. Um, you know, Classical Dream maybe was a little bit of one that were probably him and Han, where they're going to go Ballymore or Supreme. Um, Alaho RSA or the, the, the shorter race was one, appreciated maybe a little bit last year, but there hasn't been one where there's been a, a real divide um, for a while like there is this year with, with these two novices. And you could argue Gallop and the Champs over fences as well. So I, I just think that's an interesting one. Personally, like, I think Dexter Dynamo would, would probably be more likely to run here in Gerhard over the longer trip. At least that's the way I bet it personally. So I'm hoping it will be that way. Um, I should also say that it's absolutely boring conversation to have I'm just throwing out those names just for reference purposes I think to a degree though he's spoiling a couple of races in terms of studying them at the minute but anyway that's just as it is I was interested just to ask Barry about ground possible for Constitution Hill um, would he prefer it on the soft side Barry I know it's, it's good we can assume there's going to be a degree of softness but like if it if it did turn soft or even a little bit worse the, I believe at the minute the ground is soft and they're expecting a little bit of rain over the weekend so it could transpire that it would be quite slow but, but what do you reckon for that no, quick ground would be the only issue for him, Tony. Um, you know, he's a, he's, he's a good, solid type of horse. Um, so I'd say, you know, safe ground is all he'd need. But he, he has a lot of pace in his work, so he wouldn't be, uh, he wouldn't be caught for pace on, on reasonable ground. So, no, I'd say just the easy side of good is ideal. Any, anywhere from there, slow as you want after that. Yeah, no, that, that that's it, and something that something to maybe bear in mind going forward. See if he does run or maybe faster ground towards the end of the, the season. Yeah, so I, I would be a Dicer Dynamo fan um, in this race. Uh, very impressive from Punchestown, really good time. I think he just dismissed Gordon Elliott's horse in second, uh, Gringo Dobrell, who to me actually looks a two miler. Um, I also have the opinion that he may be better on better ground. No, it's really testing that day, but I think plenty of his bump up form and his breeding would suggest that better ground would suit. I think tactically it's going to be an interesting race, um, basically because Kilcrit led the last day, Dyson Dynamo led the last day. I presume the two of them aren't going to take each other on. Um, they'll be able to work that out a little bit. I wonder maybe will Kilcrit uh, give him a lead rather than the other way around. I think there's the assumption that Dyson is going to have to make it. I, I'm not sure that necessarily. Um, will be the case, yeah, but, but a, a brilliant race, um, of those at bigger prices, I would give Mighty Potter a little bit of a chance, I don't think his bare form is, is probably good enough, but I think he's a type of horse that doesn't do an awful lot when he hits the front, certainly it looked that way um, at Christmas, uh, he got the bit of experience in between um, Dun Royal and, and Leperstown at Christmas, he goes there relatively fresh, kind of horse you'd expect to be finishing out his race anyway, and, and maybe get involved for a place anyway. Okay, good few positive nods there. Let's move on to the Arkle. Sticking with you, Tony, uh, Edward Stone sits at the top of the betting, but it is a, a wide open market, and I think this could be ripe for a bit of a surprise. Blue Lord in next best, Riviere de Tell taking him on again. Um, where are you settling in the Arkle market at the moment as things stand? Yeah, one strong opinion in this race. I don't like Blue Lord. Um, I don't think jumped well enough the last day I thought he had the ideal trip but the way the race was run pace wise sitting off the pace uh, sitting toward of the t uh, what turned out to be the two pr the three principles suited him well I also think on round the outer suited him with the way the chase track seemed to be riding that week and um, obviously he benefited from Riviera Tell hitting the last and interfering with her as well so I would like to take him on um, I actually would be inclined to take her on as well I just have this constant worry about her attitude um, her head carriage is just not great um, it was there as a juvenile hurdler. She does seem to be running on a bit, but I, I just worry when she meets a horse of equivalent ability how she's gonna how she's going to um, fare out. Yeah, Edward Stone can't knock anyone for him. Um, just looks possibly a little bit short. So I, I'm probably going to split stakes on the two five-year-olds here, Saint Sam and um, Hoton Colour. Saint Sam. Um, he was kind of the opposite of Blue Lord at Leperstown. He had the 
suboptimal trip around the inner, probably on the worst of ground, um, forcing too strong a pace, didn't jump well either, or at least, sorry, jumped um, very mixed, I would say. Some excellent jumps and two or three really poor jumps, particularly when it mattered um, two out, the others really got away from him, um, two out. It's not that he can't jump well. We know from Fairy House when he won his chase debut that he, he can jump very well. He beat a, a very good horse there, and the Devils coachman won a, a buying hurdle since that. Um, I have a con the concern with him is I do think he's probably a three miler in time. Now you have to probably be a really good horse as a three miler to, to compete in an article, but it's an open year and I give him a chance. Houghton Couleur is coming in off a fall, which obviously isn't ideal, but I'm of the opinion he was probably the best of the juvenile hurdlers last year. He ran an absolute screamer in the triumph, um, having his first half of Willie Mullins, and then like, he got there far too soon, I'd say, in Punchestown. I definitely ride Paul Town and would want to get back. Um, looked like the best horse, I think, wherever he finished, tour the fourth in the end. Um, so he just has loads of potential. I'd be quite happy back in them, the two of them were what, around eight or nine to one, Dutch them against the, against the others. Um, not really a fan of Magic Days. I thought she'd have go right in Cork um, and she's not going to get much peace on the lead, I'd say, with, with some of these other front-running types. So, yeah, happy enough with the, with the two Mullins train five-year-olds. They're, they're probably, I see he's talking, but he thinks they're going to grade ones out of them eventually. Maybe it'll be next Tuesday. Okay, split stake with the Willie Mullins horses in that. And I give you the floor, Barry, to counter-argue uh, Tony's comments in regard to Blue Lord because you've been a fan of this horse for a while. I don't think you're abandoning him now, are you? No, I'm not, but it's a very open race and I think if you could run it five times, you might get five different results. Um, I respect Edward Stone. He's got very good at his jump and really professional in Warwick. Um, but Blue Lord, he didn't jump as well in Leopard's Hill in better company as he had done on his previous starts where he was really good. Um small question mark about him but he probably did well to get to where he did considering how he jumped from where he came from because he was probably in the ideal position if he was jumping well the two up front St. Sam and Riviera de Terra going hard um, that would be the slight negative for St. Sam I'd love to think they'd put a hood back on him which he had last year as a juvenile and um, I think that he'd really benefit from that and um, he schooled in Navin on Saturday and he followed up an argument they, they don't defence in the straight and St. Sam was rapid. I thought he was brilliant. Um, he did make mistakes in Leprosome. He was brilliant first time. Um, I think he just got going too hard and couldn't organise himself at the speed he was going in Leprosome. So if he can just settle a little bit, give himself a chance to measure his fences, for me, he would be the value in the race in what's just wide open. Um, the other horse, High on Calore, um, he obviously, he first day in Leprosome, his jumping was adequate. You know, he'd a lot to improve on. Then he went and got his fall. He jumped down the straight in Navin yesterday and Patrick was hailing a taxi at the at the last men's where he just took a little bit of a chance. So that, to me, isn't the ideal type you want for the Arkle. You want something that's a little bit more measured, something that you can trust a bit more than that. So I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't rely on high on Calor the way he jumped um, at the weekend and the way he jumped previously. So I'd be with St. Sam. Uh, I think he's a good solid each way price. Um, as I said, I'd love to see the Hudnam just to take a little bit of steam out of him. Okay, positive mentions for St. Sam from both the boys then and in what is a wide open event. Let's move on to the champion hurdle. Now we have discussed this on the pod quite recently so we're going to keep this relatively quick because you only need to go back to last week's show to hear the vo boys' views on this race. Um, so Tony, let's kick off with you. I know that you were keen on Tiupu. I mean, this horse's name is going to be said so many different times over the next week or so. Um, but after we saw him do what he did at Goran, are you still with him at this stage? Yeah, two opinions in this race. I can see Tiupu making a few waves here. Um, it looks decent each way, I bet. Um, love his preparation. Two kind of races that probably didn't see him the best effect early on in the season. Steadily run races. Then goes to Goran, properly run race. Wins really well. I think the Rasso's been running his race, 150 horse, um, basically every start this season over hurdles, um, blew him away, quickened away very well, thought he hurdled well when he was in amongst horses. Um, 
he's all the potential in the world. Maybe he won't come up to the honeysuckle level, but I think you've a, a good each way possibility with him. With the second favourite, appreciated, yeah, like he has all the upside in the world, but he also has a lot of blowout potential, I would say. Horse coming of his first start of the season. We all know Willie Munton get them ready, but there's still the, the potential that it, it just won't work out for him because he hasn't had a clear run through the season. I'd also be open to the idea that Appreciated does ultimately want further than two miles. Certainly look that way as an obvious hurdler. And the other one, in kind of obvious, I do think Appetent is interesting in the place markets. Um, Newcastle, Jesse probably needed it a bit. The ground wasn't ideal. Campton was much better. Talked before, but the internal sections were pretty hot. She raced too close to a pace that and she probably doesn't want to be ridden that prominently anyway. Um, she was brilliant, kind of in the third quarter of the race, just travelling all over them. Maybe not so good at the end, but ever the one horse that was coming from off the pace was made look really good. And in any case, that was the better for Hordle winner. So could see her definitely getting involved in the places. So they'd be my two views on that one. Okay, and Barry, all about honeysuckle here. Or are you just going to sit back and enjoy it and everything in on her, or is there a bit of value elsewhere like Tony may have found? I think there could be value, but she is going to be very hard to beat. She's been brilliant, and she was for me, she was better in Cheltenham um, last match than she was any day through the season. She seemed to jump better, she travelled stronger. I thought going into the race that she'd need further, and she put that. Uh, theory to sleep anyway um, but appreciated I'm I'm sweet on him I think he's a big player um, he's supreme he was very impressive you could question the strength of the race but it was only two seconds over the champion hurdle um, I thought it was a great road I think he was the horse going novice chasing I was looking forward to most over Bob Allinger or anything I just think he is I've a little bit of a, a an echoing crush on appreciated I think um, and I got a good vibe off Willie just chatting about the weekend He's very happy with his decision of not having had a prep run, and you can you can see the sense in that because you know you've you've a few things you have the the timing of the Goran race for example to Cheltenham on his first run will he recover in time but also you bring in the bounce factor so he's really rude about both of those he seems really happy with the horse the vibes are great David Casey rides him on his work there isn't a better work greater than David Casey so to me everything is good it's whether he's good enough to beat her but I think he's a great each way bet either way. And Epitant is the other one who I think is value, as Tony says, in the place market and what she's been doing. Very positive on Appreciate It. Wow, we like that. Um, let's move on to the Mare's Hurdle, Tony, a race that you've uh, tipped a few winners of in the past. And you're, you gave a very positive mention to Queen's Brook when we last spoke. Uh, I presume you're still with her here. Yeah, I do like the mares races this year. I think I think they're all quite interesting. I, I like them just in general. Uh, probably my strongest opinion on day one. Very open race, as I've mentioned before. I think if a horse or a mare, sorry, can hit one four five or one fifty, it'll probably win it. Uh, tell me something, girl. There's no massive negative with her. It's just prices. The thing I thought three to one was was only okay. Um, Stormy Ireland. I'm just not convinced. Cheltenham is her track. Five runs at the at the place. Fell second, fifth, ninth, and and first. Um, she was probably lucky enough to win the day that she won um, the real keel on New Year's Day I'd say Bruno Stone probably was just coming off the battle of her when he came down at the last flat tracks might suit her better the fairy houses punches towns of the world make and all and in any case she's not going to get a soft lead here with some of the others that are in it um, and she is coming up against a number of mares that, that really like this track so I, I think I could pass her over um, I, early on in the season I did like the kind of proven track form of having help us um, she's actually drifted since probably off the back of a, a really middling run to be honest in the Irish champion hurdle but maybe the track will, will reinvigorate her um, could see that as a possibility but the one I do prefer at the minute is definitely this Queensbrook like made the case for it um, last week there I think people I won't go over it again but it is it is a proper race um, and even there are a number of interesting outsiders and I think finest ever more is a, is a mare that shipped really well at Christmas I, I think she probably um I think she probably isn't right at the minute because she's missed a couple of targets. But if she pitched up, she'd be interesting. And even among the, the UK horses, like Martello Skater, a, a very likeable mayor, um, tends to turn up and run a race and has a bit of form at the track. So, yeah, it should be a good race. Uh, I expect a big field, uh, very competitive, easy to see four or five of them coming to the last and very little between them. Tony just loves a mare's race. I love that. Uh, Barry, do you have any strong view in the mare's hurdle at this stage other than what Tony's already covered? No, and I agree with Tony and Queensbrook and there's a good bit of improvement expected from her last run, so she's definitely one with a big shout. But I'm in the Stormy Ireland camp. Um, I think she's a brilliant mare. Tony, uh, Willie's done brilliant with her since he got her back. She won the rail keel over two and a half. 
Um, she's very good. I know it won't be it won't be easy for her on front, but she's very solid from the front. She stays really well, jumps brilliantly. Um, I think she's a, she's a good price for one of the top rated mares, and she's proven at that level. Yeah. And Barry, just to stick with you and round off day one, a uh, quick mention to the National Hunt Chase. Um, the novice stay, staying chases in this. Statler is still at the top of the market at 5-2, but it's another wide open race. Do you have a view in this? It is an open race. Um, Statler is a top of the market there, but question mark about him. He's just He's jumped so well, he travels so well. Will he just see it out? A horse like that who travels as strongly are swinging into the straight. You know, they just mightn't find as much under pressure. Whereas Rumwell Fred, he was second there, he's national, he's won the Tritown, loves soft grounds, stays really well. I think he's more the type for the race. Um Vanillier, I think, needs to improve on what he's done to date over fences, having been a good winner of the Albert Bark last year. Um, but it is a competitive race, but I'd be with uh, Rumwell Fred. Okay, one away from the top, well, not, not, not at the top of the market as things stand at the moment. Let's move on to the Wednesday uh, and kick off with the Ballymore, Tony. Now, this is a race that could really, I mean, with so many of these going in different directions, potentially, and you've already said that you'd hope that Sir Gerhard would go here instead of the Supreme, but what's your view on it at the moment? It's very hard to get a handle on it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. Like, there's over 60 horses left in it, but uh, you would imagine there's going to be nowhere near uh, that number actually pitching up. Yeah, I'd be very keen on Sir Gerhard. Dublin uh, Racing Festival farm looks strong. Time was really good. Um, just the way they cleared away from the five also runs from the bypass second last, which is really impressive. Um, Jinto's in there as well. I, I do agree with connections that he, he's not slow and that you know maybe he doesn't do an awful lot in front of us. Visually impressed with him at Nice, but that form just hasn't worked out at all. So that that'll be kind of the concern with him. Again, Johnny with me, I, I really would have a question about the strength of his form. If Sir Gerhard does run, I, I wouldn't be massively surprised if Three Stripe Life um, was to chase him home again. I, I know there's a a bit like Willie Mullins, Gordon Elliott does have a couple of decisions to make here around Mighty Potter and Three Stripe Life. I think common sense will, will reign here and he'll run three-stripe life in this race. Um, it's, it's going to be a much easier race than, than the Supreme. Um, and common second this would be would be a, a good effort. Um, and sometimes horses that have been beaten by the favourite are kind of dismissed in the market. You might want to back them straight as win bets, but they can become interesting in the place markets, the without markets, stuff like that. I think there's a possibility of that with three-stripe life. A little bit more to come. He does have a little bit of track form as well. Okay, positive nod there, a wave, and also with Sir Gerhard as well. If he goes here, please God, I'd like that too. Uh, Barry, what's your what's your interest in this? Yeah, no, I'd agree with a lot of what Tony says, and three straight live if he was to go here, but from what I gather to date anyway, they're, they're fairly committed to going to the Supreme, but um, if Sir Gerhard turns up here, to me, he's a banker. You talk about Allah being the banker, I'd have Sir Gerhard with him. Um, and probably, there's no, there isn't great strength or depth to this race, and if they feel that dice are dynamo, it's an option for him to go here. I know Paul Townend says he feels he'll settle behind the horse. Um, if he lines up, you just have to trust the Mullins camp, and I'd, I'd be going with him then, because I don't think it's an amazing race, with the exception of those two horses. No, I would agree with that. Um, let's move on to the Brown Advisory. Now, there's some nice horses in this, and Barry, sticking with you for this, one of the horses we've been sort of championing all season is a hoist in your, who looks as though he is going to go here after a lot of umming and ahhing about what target he might end up at. But he's got a tricky task on his hand, trying to turn the tables with Brave Man's Game. Do you think he can do that? I think what he did in Weatherby, he was really impressive. Uh, his jumping... What not as good through the race, uh, jumped a little bit out to his right, but in the last mile he was really good. Down the straight he was rapid. It's a good performance. It was what we needed to see, having been brilliant at Newbury early in the season, then disappointed at Kempton at Christmas, where he didn't turn up at all. I know Braveman's game was a good winner on the day, and obviously he'd won in Haydock, and he's been impressive all season. He won well in Newbury um, in a handicap not so long ago. He is a good horse, but this fellow has beaten him as a novice hurdler. Um, and as I said, the, the only time they met over fences, he didn't, to me, turn up. So I'd be inclined to stick with High Senor. We're presuming that Gallop and Deschamps and uh, Bob Ollinger won't be in the race. Um, so for me, it would be a High Senor to beat, to beat Braveman's game. Uh, Tony, is it all about the UK runners in this? Or can you make a case for one of the Irish horses in here? No, I, I don't particularly like the, I don't like the favourite anyway. Um, a bit more time for um, a High Senor. 
I do wonder though at this race. You, you don't you don't like Brave Man's game? No, I don't. No, no, no. I'll come to him in a minute. Um, I do wonder now if Venetia Williams or even Willie Mullins are going to have a second look at this race and, and run something else in it. Um, I don't find Brave Man's game or Heising up particularly scary. Like, is there any chance Long Press might run? Is there any chance Willie Mullins? I know Patrick will fall out with him. Might run Statler in it or something like that. Um, like Willie Willie's ten in this race now. Capadano and Gayard de Manil wouldn't look the strongest team. I, I don't know. Statler's a very free going horse. I think he'd, he'd be very well suited to this. But anyway, we, we'll soon find out. Um, Brave Man's game. My concern with him is I actually just a little bit of a concern about his ability. Um, he's improved for fences. That's fair enough. But uh, as Barry kind of mentioned, the Heisenberg beat him very well in the entry. He was. When he ran at this track last year in the Ballymore, like Bear Gills was alongside him. Fair enough, Bob Ollinger is a potential star, but Gayard de Manee isn't, and he was well behind him. And I'd also have a little bit of worry, I think he looks quite fast, I think in a real slog it mightn't suit him, so I'd be quite happy taking him on at a short price. Um, I would prefer a high senior of the two UK horses, definitely. My concern with him is definitely the jumping. I think he's been um, hitting fences on flat tracks, What's he going to be like now on an undulating track? I think that's going to add another dimension. There's a fair chance he's going to crack a fun. Um, so I think there's a chance here of a little bit of a result. I've been a Capadano fan. Don't really love the vibes about him. Um, this fall that he had at the Dublin Racing Festival it seems to hurt his shoulder a bit. I wonder if he missed a bit of work. So I, I'm going to take a chance. Well, I'm open-minded to something else coming into it, but at the moment, I'd be keen on Beacon Edge. Um commented him last talked all about him last week how he jumped out with the cheek pieces on yeah maybe it's not ideal that he's had a run so quick but i think in his case he absolutely needed the run because he'd been off effectively since the drinmore he's the best of these of a hurdles um fortness steers hurdle last year probably shaped a bit second best because he's the one with that went with florin porter um and he's kind of 16 or 20 to one i'd be quite happy taking a little bit of a chance with him and hope that his jumping holds up um in a race where I'm not a massive fan of the front two that really is a pin in the brave man's game balloon for sure and a bigger prize the each way shout as well like that a lot from you tony uh despite the fact that i am a brave man's game fan but i can i can see what you're saying about him i can hear that point uh let's move on to the queen mother champion chase tony and uh if these guys all line up this is probably the race of the week is it Ah, yeah, well, I think first listen to horse is a cracker as well. No, this is a brilliant race. Look, Shishkin's by far and away the most likely winner. We've covered this and ad infinitum at this stage. I'd be keen on an argument just at the prices, but wouldn't be a massive strong view. Though it was interesting, Barry's opinion, just on this bit of a setback, Barry, um, how significant is that missing the bit of work? Would you have any view on that? Well, I suppose we, we don't really know how much he has missed, missing a bit, but... He is a big, clear-winded horse, I would have thought. I had a slap him there last year. Um, he galloped down Navin yesterday and he jumped. He seemed to jump really well down the straight, so he seems in good nick. Um, but an interesting point Willie made um, last week or so on the stable tour, saying the shack on first wire for him every day of the week, and he's giving him less work, so he's training him differently. He didn't turn up at the festival last year, and maybe that's because he had a gallop too many. Um, he had a hamstring issue in the Tingle Creek, so you can draw a line through that. So... If you're looking for something to take on Shishkin, maybe Shakan Porsois is the one. What he did last year in the in the Punchestan race, he beat Alaho and he beat Nuba Negra. 25, 35 lengths, he destroyed them. So he is a very, very good horse. Um, so Shishkin is obviously too short. He's, he is the best in the race on the book, but I don't think the price reflects um, what he's up against. And I'd be inclined to take him on with Shakan Porsois. Fair. Uh, if, and if you were to ride one horse in the race, it, it would be Chacan Pulsoir, would it? Or would you stick with Shishkin? If you were given free reign, Barry, and you could ride anything in it? I'd be greedy. I'd go for the one to two Chacan, ride Shishkin. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, did you wrap up everything you wanted on the Queen, on the queen Mother, Tony? Yeah, I'm happy enough. Just a, a, a small view that an Ergmin is a little bit overpraised. Okay, fair. Uh, let's move on. Quick word to the cross-country, Barry. Um, the roof will come off the place. With all those fans there, if Tiger Roll wins the cross-country for the 100th time, my God, the place will erupt. But is it likely to happen is the big question I pose to you. I think it's ground is, is the thing. Um, Gordon is really happy with the horse. He's in great nick. Comes alive this time of year. Obviously loves it around Cheltenham. So the drier the ground, the better for him. 
So we're presuming if it, if it gets that, that way, it'll be ideal for him. But Gordon feels that if it's on the slow side, he thinks he'll win it anyway with Delta Work, who's a very classy horse. So if his prep has gone well for a cross-country race, um, he's a very, very good horse. So he'd be he's his option if it's soft. But we'll all be hoping to see nice ground and Tiger Road maybe having a swan song. Absolutely, we'll be keeping our fingers crossed for that. But if the ground does turn, positive words for Dell to work. Let's wrap up Wednesday with the bumper. Tony, you were all aboard Fasal Vega last time. You can't be abandoning him now, can you? Even at this short price. Oh, absolutely abandon him, surely, yeah. Um, but just just price and a little bit worried about the ground, as, I, as I've mentioned before. is a little bit of an e-action, but most of the trainers talking about him getting jarred up. Um, very similar race to last year with with the big two. Obviously, the, the big two last year had finished up the boat with Willie Mullins. Now it's Willie Mullins versus Gordon Elliott. Um, I just marginally prefer American Mike um, at the price. Like the favourite, he's done the good times. Um, I think he's probably more suited to a bit of decent ground. And I thought Battle and Bessie give his form a bit of a boost at the Dublin Racing Festival too. Look, I know there's a temptation to think that there's um, something at a massive price maybe, maybe to come and do them. I'm not sure. There's there's 29 horses in this, but there's not really an awful lot of unexposed ones. Um, looking through some of the English horses, there's been ones that have been beaten already. Like I couldn't have hard to have those on your mind um, when they're coming up against these two. The improvers are possibly ones that are also in Willie Mullins' yard, so you know you expect that he's got a gauge on them. And the other interesting one, I suppose, is Paul Nolan's horse, but uh, Joyo Machine, um, who. Fasted Vegas already beaten easily, so it, it probably will just settle down to a set two uh, between the big two. Marginal preference for American Mike, that that would be contingent on the ground being relatively decent. I kind of hope it is a matchup between the two of them in a way because uh, there's been such talk about both of them on both sides. But Barry, there's also been a fair bit of talk about this redemption day as well and you know, doing the dreaded preview night circuit, this line that Patrick said that after when Fasal Vega won afterwards, he said we've got a better one at home in redemption day. Are you buying into any of that with your intel for Willie's Yard of late? Well, without the intel, um, no, I'm not buying into it. Patrick isn't 22. You know, he's not going to throw away lines there. That uh, He's not going to try and educate the opposition anyway. So I'd say that could have been as much a smokescreen as anything. Um, Redemption Day, he was a very smart winner. But to me, Patrick looked very, very conscious to protect him. He was quiet on him. He didn't win by far. He didn't set him alight. I'd say he's a horse who lives on edge, maybe. Uh, that was my first impression of him. And that is what you you don't want for the festival bumper. And any horse can get it boiled over. But if a lad is a little bit little bit precious, he's the wrong type. So I echo everything Tony says as regards American Mike, times, form, everything. Fasal Vega, slight concern about the drying ground. Um, too short for what he has to deal with. You know, he has to overcome the occasion as much as anything else. So American Mike looks to be a nice laid back type and his form is, is equally as impressive. Okay, so that's two very positive mentions then for American Mike in the bumper. And that about rounds off proceedings on the Wednesday. And before we kick on to Thursday's action, now is a perfect time to give a good plug to Off The Fence Live that will be with you all of next week throughout the Cheltenham Festival from Monday through to the Thursday night, uh, four nights on the bounce. Myself and Barry will be in a studio in Cheltenham and Tony will be joining us through the magic of Zoom. And each night we're going to be looking back and looking forward to the day's racing, um, hopefully reviewing and previewing all the big news headlines and pointing you in the direction of a few winners as the week develops too. I cannot wait. It's going to be great to be involved in Cheltenham with the boys. Uh, it should be a brilliant week and hopefully you will be able to join us on all the other races digital platforms. YouTube, Facebook, you know the drill by now. That's where we'll be every evening throughout the week of the Cheltenham Festival. Off the fence live. Cannot wait. But let's crack on with Thursday's preview. Uh, kicking off with the Turner's Novices Chase, where Bob Ollinger takes on Galloping Deschamps and loads more in this. Tony, it's a wide open race in many ways because you can make cases for so many in this. But a matchup between the top two and the betting, where are you landing as things stand at the moment? Keep this very, very short. Brilliant, brilliant race. Um, absolutely no betting opinion, so you can ask Barry. <laughs> oh, very short indeed. Right, over to you, Barry. Handed the mic. Yeah, it, no, it is. It's, this is the matchup of the week. Um, Bob Ollinger, he's, we're still on promise as regards fences. 
His jumping is okay. I think he would be better on better ground. He was a top class um, hurler last year. But galloping the champ, he just lifts the roof. What he did in Leprosa, we saw him gallop away from the line. Master McShay pulled up, I'd say, within 50 or 60 yards of the line. And galloping the champ was galloping away into the distance. So he is a very good horse. Um, I think it'll take a superstar to beat him. Maybe Bob Ollinger is that. He'll need to be every bit as good as he can be. Okay, let me just ask you then, if you were riding Bob Ollinger, because Galloping de Champs, maybe the tactics on him are a bit more straightforward, how would you ride Bob Ollinger to beat Galloping de Champs, or how would you ride him just in this race as, uh, generally? Well, it's down to how he jumps. So if he, if he puts in the round of jumping that he, you know, he has the potential to put in, you know, then you beca- you're in the comfort zone. You don't have to do anything to beat the opposition because you're finding your life easier, jumping well, you can afford to sit and wait. He is a classy horse. He's a classy winner of the Ballymore. So he's not a slow horse that would need to overuse him. The whole thing about him is just to get a good round of jump on and then you're in a position to use his class. But whether that's enough to, to contend with Gallop and the Champ remains to be seen. But I would slightly just favour Gallop and the Champ. Okay, could be a terrific matchup over the two and a half miles there. Let's move on to the Ryanair, same course and distance. Um, Barry, let's stick with you. Just all aboard Alaho, surely, isn't it? I mean, I don't mean to be sort of to keep it that simple, but I just, if he comes here in anything like last year's form and the ground is anywhere near just suitable for him, which is quite a wide range anyway, I just can't see much getting past him in this. I can't see a huge amount lining up against him. No, I'd agree completely. Last year's form, but even this year's form, he, he won the John Dorkin first time. He always improves for his run, and it was a tough race, but then he came back and he won a punch, or in Turles, should I say. He was impressive there, and Turles wouldn't be his track, wouldn't play to his strengths. I think he's slightly better going left-handed. So if he turns up anywhere close to last year, he'll be nearly impossible to beat. Um, and what'll be second to him? I think Fakir de Dere, but in a good performance in Ascot, second last year, he has a chance of being second. Our Shan Blue, who was storming home at Weatherby in the Charlie Hall when he took a heavy fall at the fourth last. So that was a big performance that day to that point. Um, he hasn't run since. The Skeletons are protecting their team and keeping them fresh. They will have him ready. There'll be no shortage of schooling done on him either. So he's one who could run a big race as well, but it's it's all about Alaho really. Tony, what fills the places then in the Rana? I thought Eldorado Allen might be the interesting one without the favour. I think there's six or seven to one knocking about um, with him at the moment. He's a number of good runs over the chase track um, here. Uh, I thought he's had a really good season. Won the Halton Gold Cup. Things then didn't go his way in the Peterborough chase. He made a mistake at the key time but finished out his race well. Then met Mr Fisher at Kempton, which is just very much Mr Fisher's track. And then he's won well at Newbury the last day. I just think... Um, He's one we're set up for him to, to run, uh, you know, a, a very solid race. You can back him each way there without hard to knock him out of the four. Again, you've a horse in there, a bit like appreciated Shan Blue, where we won with just with a bit of potential to, to blow out when he's coming off a break. Yeah, there's the potential that he'll put up an amazing performance, but there's also a chance that it just won't work out from at all. So yeah, I'd be quite happy with, with Colin Tizer Trust there that he could be one to get into shake up. Okay, and Tony, let's stick with you for the stairs hurdling division. Uh, it's a complete mystery and a puzzle to me, so please solve it for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to solve it for you. Don't particularly like this race for a bet. Look, f- f- talked about it before, run through them here quickly. Floor and Porter, like a little bit of a worry about, about his attitude. Um, both races this season would raise concerns about that. Um, Champ and Paisley Park, I suppose it's all got to do with um, what do you make of the Cleve Hurdle form? Both of them are older horses. Look, I think Paisley Park might have, you know, almost unbelievably enjoyed the, the kind of nonsense that went on in the Cleve Hordle, missing the break and having to run on from behind horses. But it's very hard to see him getting away with that in a bigger field with something like Floor and Port or setting the gallop. Classical Dream, I would say he's probably the most talented horse in the race, but I really just don't like his prep. Um, Willie Mullins said that he kind of made a mistake about running him back so quickly in the Galmoy. But I don't know how you put a line through that. It's only 49 days later. All his best form seems to be coming off a bit of a break lately. So it would need to be an amazing training performance to get him kind of right. Time Hill, uh, probably the best of, of the front end, although you're not getting many sweets at the price with him. Um, is he good enough? Well, he's good enough, I think, if some of the others are on the perform. But there's probably a chance that they will on the perform. So I couldn't knock anyone for backing him. But probably not a bad race to chance something at a price. Um, Ryan Cahal is the one that I would tentatively 
um, be coming down on. Connections are saying they haven't made the decision yet, but kind of getting the impression that they might like to go three miles um, because she was so good over the last year. It was her career best. She's getting the allowance. She's kind of the mayor on the up. So yeah, I, I could if, if she if she runs here, I'd be a little bit interested in her. Tony just loves a mare. Um, Barry, where are you siding with this? Are we being a bit tough on them, calling them all quirky in this race? They're obviously not all quirky. They all bring in a very decent level of ability. But who are you siding with? If you had to go with, if you had to, if you had to side with, if you had to come down on one right now and get off the fence, who would it be? Well, first uh, question. They're not all quirky, but there's a good few of them. Uh, Florent Porter and Classical Dream, especially. Um, it's a very tricky race. Obviously, if Champ returned to his Ascot form. Um, he would have a big shout. I think Champ, Florent, Porter, Classical Dream on their best day are ahead of the field. Time Hill is a good horse, but I think he's a gap to find. Um, Paisley Park beat and you know way below par Champ with Liz Nagar Oscar alongside who has been disappointing as well. So it was great for Paisley Park, but I think he's another he's another uh, gap to bridge to get to the top three. So probably a bigger question mark with Champ than there is about Classical Dream. So. Um, and Florent Porter last year's winner I think the key to this race is in run and betting because if you have Florent Porter with an issue at the start can charge the tape likewise classical dream if Florent Porter charges the tape what's the likelihood of getting him back I'm not so sure and you could say the same for classical dream so I've been kind of wait and see how they jump off if classical dream jumps off taking a lead fourth or fifth or somewhere there Paul Tony can wait all day he's in the supreme novice hurdle winner and I think that would be the one you'd want to be on Okay, wait till the race itself is Barry's advice. Let's move on to the Mayor's Novices Hurdle. And Tony, obviously it's just over to you for one of these divisions. Um, <laughs> you, I, I, I'm sure you did tip the winner of this last year, yeah? Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair, right. <laughs> That that sounds a bit better than than my intro to the to the other Mayor's race. Uh, where are you falling in this? Brandy Love at the top at 9-4 to four at the moment. Yeah, I'm going to just stick with Dino Blue. Um, again, the price isn't, isn't marvellous now, but uh, to me, she might just be just about the, the most likely winner. For purely selfish reasons, I'm glad that Allegory Devassi has gone out. I'd be much more worried about her than I would be about Brandy Love, who I think is just that little bit tricky, as we've mentioned before. Um, I assume it's going to be quite a big field, um, which I, I think will suit Dino Blue. I think it'll also suit Party Central, who seem to love the, the really strong pace of the handicap hurdle at Dublin Race Festival. She will need a certain type of ride though. Um, that, that's become abundantly clear with her. She doesn't like to be in front too soon. She can get to the front very quickly, but she does tend to curl up. She's flashing the tail a bit late the last day. And I suppose the downside with her is that she did pick up a penalty um, at Leperstown. But yeah, it sets up has been uh, quite an open race. Um, but yeah, I'd be happy with uh, Dino Blue going there and being without the penalty and all the recent vibes seem to be quite positive. And Barry, I think you concur with that, do you? I would, yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, she was the most impressive of these in her club match. She only had the one run, but she was so impressive that day. Times, everything, comparisons with other races on the day. So, you know, and she's open to progression from there. So now I'd be, I'd be with Diana Blue too. Okay, we'll keep that simple there then. Let's move on to the Friday. Triumph Hurdle, loads in here with a shout. You've got, if you've got Knight Salute at 10 to 1 and he's a five-time winner coming into this. Above him in the market, you've got Vorban, Pied Piper, Fildor, Porticello. All of these could could show up and then Knight Salute next best, like I say, at 10 to 1. Uh, Barry, let's stick with you for this one. Uh, who do you think will win the Triumph Hurdle at this point? I know a couple of them might divert elsewhere. Well, Vabone and Pied Piper, I don't think there's an awful lot between them. Um, I think Vabone benefited from, you know, it, it was it was a, the race in Leprosa was run at a good pace, but it wasn't an end-to-end gallop. Fildor, I think, would really have appreciated a proper test that day. Um, Vabone jumped slightly right as well, which would be a bit of a concern going around Cheltenham. Um, but no, for me, Fildor, I think, off a really strong pace, Triumph Hurdle track on the new course, you've only two hurdles in the last seven furlongs. Um, emphasis then is on gallop Porticello I'd imagine is a good stare would be handy as well I think both of those horses will benefit from each other in this race so I would at the prices would be inclined to uh, oppose the top two and go with Fildor in an each way market maybe Okay and Tony do you have a strong view on the triumph at this point? Yeah excellent clash between Vauban and paid paper look I'm hoping it's going to be paid paper um I think he probably jumps a little bit better than Vauban. I think looking back at Pontchastown, he probably went through the race a little bit better. Like they're two very high class flat horses now to be going for a triumph forward like paid paper 
right in the mid 90s full band with a, a triple figure rating so yeah I, I just was really impressed with the visuals with Pied Piper running over the caution distance at, at the trials meeting as well um, I know he didn't beat an awful lot but like, he could have won an awful lot for that I think though at the moment the value and it's probably still there is with Eletia Thompson who was toured in, in the spring juvenile that form has been boosted by a Carol and since um, slow paced out would, as Barry's just going to mention, would make you question it uh, a little bit. But he was probably the one that was most disadvantaged by it. He was dropped out the back, and then when the pace did quicken uh, across, come from two out, he got hung wide, which wasn't ideal at all. He jumped better as the race went on. And you know what? Maybe not having a real long buster of a first time out, and it was his debut over hurdles um, run, is no harm. So I could see him. If he progresses again, he could well be in the shake-up. I think he's still 12 or 14 to 1. He, he mightn't be a bad each way bet. Um, kind of surprised he hasn't shortened a bit. But look, the front two do dominate, and it's going to be a very interesting betting heat along with everything else. Yeah, it really will be. Very competitive indeed. Let's move on to the Albert Bartlett Barry. Uh, now, if the Supreme is red-hot and the Ballymore is sort of tepid, this race hasn't really caught the imagination this year. For me personally, anyway, um, Manella Kroonra at the moment is at the top of the market after winning at Leopardstown Hillcrest. Next best at four to one. Barry, who who would you side with right now, looking at it? And am I being a bit tough on it, saying that it sort of hasn't quite caught the imagination yet? It probably hasn't, but I really like Hillcrest. I was impressed with him massively in Haydock. He didn't jump as you well as I worried think he's about, capable of. Worried about? Would you be worried about that race taking anything out of a big raw horse like him? It was quite a gruelling effort, wasn't it? Well, I'd say it was more gruelling for the rest of the field than him. Um, you know, it, it was. He had to work hard to win because Haydock is a sharp track and he was probably in top gear or close to it for, for longer than ideal. But no, I think he's a very good horse. I think he's a horse for the future as well. So I'd be he, to me, would be the standout horse in the race. Um, it's competitive. I would agree to you that they're, 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 a, they're a quality bunch to a level. Um without being a superstar but he has the potential just to be that you know one that's slightly ahead of the field so I would go at Hillcrest I like him a lot and Tony would you be of that view that Hillcrest is sort of the star potential in that race against some other maybe lacking that real sparkle that real top class sparkle anyway yeah, I tend to agree with you, Vanessa. It's one that's left me a little bit cold Um, you can see the claims of Manella Crooner things didn't go his way in that um, Natanya Lacey race, the one, and he wouldn't be anything like the profile of a typical Albert Bartlett horse that would be somewhat interesting to me is, um, what's he called, Mr Nice Guy, or the Nice Guy trained by Willie Mullins, like, he's only had one run, one maiden hurdle win, um, but I was impressed with how strong he was from the last to the line at Nace, and that form has worked out quite well, Ramillies has won since, Bally Keel came out of it yesterday and won. There's still some double figures there knocking about about him. Um, he's one I could see shortening anyway. I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, he, he may not be the Mullins. Um, yeah, he may well actually turn out to be the Mullins first string. And if that's the case, he, he's definitely going to be going off in, sing, in a single figure price. Um, so yeah, give him a small bit of a life. But no, it's it's a race that I'd be quite happy to re-look at it again when they're finally declared. Yeah, absolutely. Right, let's move on to the big one, Tony. The Cheltenham Gold Cup um, might not be a vintage year for the Staying Chasers, but it is ultra competitive. A Plutard up at the top of the market at the moment at 5-2. to two. Galvin next best 7-2. to two. Manella Indo going back for a second Gold Cup win at 5-1. to one. Protectorat, best of the UK runners currently in the antipost market at about 8s and 7s. Um, where are you falling in this race? Who are you falling on at this point, Tony? Yeah, of the front two, I would just prefer Galvin over a Plutard. Um, his course form, he did something different at, at Christmas that we hadn't seen before. He was ridden a lot more prominently, um, jumped better than he had done in Down Royal, showed a few more gears than, than maybe we thought he hitherto had. Um, I thought he did very well to overcome a Plutard, putting him in a pocket um, after two out. And yeah, I, I just it's hard to see him not, with granted sort of normal luck and running, hard to see him not getting involved to some degree. Um, Minelindo, uh, look, I, I just don't really buy it. Uh, I just think he's a little bit short. Like maybe he will come back to his form of of, of last year, but just at the price, I'm happy enough to pass him over. Um, Protectorat, thought it was a, a really strange race in the entry. Um, they went quite hard from an early stage, and he sort of over raced for for basically the whole race, and yet still was able 
to pull away from them late. Um, I just don't know what to make of it. I just think he, he'd need to be an absolute superstar to be able to race like that the whole way through against these kind of 165, 170 horses. I'm just not sure that anything behind him ran anything close to a race in entry. The other one, I just I did have a proper look at this last week. Um, the other one, I was kind of surprised I, I, I give this horse a little bit of a chance of Galvin mainly, but I would also give Tornado Flyer a little bit of a chance. Um, like the yeah, I, I just went through it. I just had a little look back to his form. Like the King George would certainly look a bit of false form. He was sent off twenty eight to one, and it was you know a pace collapse with a number of them not run the race. But he also would have suggested um, that the way he finished out that race that there's a potential for more in them when he goes up to the, the extended uh, three mile two, and he, he's really on tap now in kind of staying trips. He, he's run at the festival three times in the Champion Bumper in the which now the Turners and in the Ryanair. And really looking back at them, every day he was staying on late. Um, like it's possible he's just been a three miler all along, uh, and they've been asking him to do something he's not able to do. Um, he has a very good relationship struck up with Danny Mullins. Like they're one three five, three one together. Um, he does have that bit of a form at the track, albeit not winning. Um, and I could I could just see this trip suiting. The issue with him is his jumping early on in races. He tends to be quite sticky. Um, but he just he hasn't shortened at all for winning the King George. Like usually the King George winner would be a little bit more prominent in a Gold Cup market. Um, like still ten or twelve to one there. I could definitely see him uh, outrunning his odds, provided he can hang in with them over the first four or five fences. Though I was I was very interested there. The Barry mentioned um, about our boom photo schooling and cheek pieces there at the weekend. Like uh, I think with him, uh, like he's probably. A little bit past it, but trying something like that would, would certainly add another layer of interest to the race, um, which obviously has proven effectiveness over the course and distance. And backed up by, if uh, regular viewers will know, that uh, Tony has wheeled out some headgear stats about Willie Mullins' as runners in the past on this show a good few weeks back now, but if anyone wants to go back and find that, then uh, basically very positive, isn't it, Tony, about headgear being added at this point? Yeah, definitely more so this season than ever before. I, I'm sure he's going to be doing a little bit of tinkering next week. It'll be very interesting to see which horse will get in the tongue tie and the headgear um, that had, that hasn't been previously applied there. Okay, well, Barry, over to you for your Gold Cup choice then. Um, who are you siding with? Yeah, I'm sticking with Elindo. You know, he's two from three at the festival. Um, I didn't fancy him going into King George. He didn't turn up. Henry's horses have been running bad all season. They're showing a return to form, but you'd like to see... A few more scores on the board between here and Cheltenham to have strong faith in him. But I think especially if the ground was on the easy side, uh, would, would suit him. Galvin, the better the ground, the better for him. Um, he is a horse who has been improving all season and he's put in a really good bit of work recently so as well. So he's a horse on the up. Um, you could say the same possibly for Protect the Rat. Stepping up and tripping in entry to be as keen as he was, was a great performance. I'd imagine that there won't be such a big job settling him in the Gold Cup with the pace that we're going. It'll be more competitive. But it was a really good performance in entry just to run with the choke out like that and still finish out well. So he's a horse on the up. Um, but Manila Indo, to me, if he can get back there in the shape he was in last year, he won the Gold Cup with a near pricked. I don't think he was doing an awful lot. Um, he's 40 lengths clear of Royal Pagai and Frodon and Royal Pagai is there at 20 to 1 and people are fancying him but I can't see where he's going to find the 40 lengths with Manila Endo if he turns up so for me it's just about what Manila Endo turns up ideally I'd love to see Henry have a few winners between here and there to have confidence in him and the more juice in the ground the better for him and on that note just a final note on, on him um, I know Henry's been saying recently these sort of been buying into the idea of this being a really genuine spring type horse. Some people don't sort of like that line. They don't. They they sort of slightly poo poo it. But have you experienced horses in the past, Barry, who really come alive in the sort of March April time? Oh, definitely, plenty of horses. Punjabi, for example, um, would come alive, would struggle through the winter, sun on his back away, and he wasn't a superstar. And probably for that reason, he was above himself in this champion hurdle. But no, and a lot of trainers, you would see it, Nicky, especially, as I mentioned earlier, Constitution Hill coming in his coat. So no, there's a lot to be said for uh, some on the back. But just going back to Tony's point as well about album photo and the cheek pieces, um, a great idea to put them on him, but I suppose only Paul Towner knows what album photo was there on that piece. He looked good, jumped on the last and Navin and galloped away nicely. Um, 
but will the cheap pieces override the poor performance and work recently? That could have been more of a, a well-being issue than a, a mental issue. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. It does add a layer, but it doesn't really answer the question. Absolutely. It's all to play for. A wide open Gold Cup. Um, last last graded race we're going to cover before moving on to the handicaps, Tony, and it's straight over to you for yet another Mayor's race. <laughs> this time the Mayor's Chase. Uh, quick line on this. Who are you fancying? Mount Either. You've given her plenty of positive mentions, but it's got to be a very specifically run race. Yeah, respect both the both the front two here, but on the fairy house form, the the John and Chitch Memorial um, Chase on New Year's Day. I think Scarlet and Dove is the overpriced one. Um, she looked to go a little bit too hard in the lead. Um, I think she's probably going to be better left-handed. She's a two-starch left-handed. She's won both of them easily. She was shifting left that day. She has done before, and she got a, a very serious bump off Mount Ida, um, jumping two out when she looked to have a, a winning chance. Now she's not without her quirks, and she's not always the best jumper. But um, both of those are kind of Mount Ida and Ellie around the five to two mark. She's sixteens. I definitely take a chance that uh, she'll take to this. Um, smaller field I think than she met at Goran and the Fiestas the last day I think that was asking a lot of her her jumping didn't really hold up in a big field um, over three miles but this is probably going to cut up Alan King's maybe talking about running the Lansing Queen um, in one of the handicaps Concertista has had a recent setback and is quite inexperienced so Scarlet and Dovia for maybe a little bit of value at a big price there Okay and finally Barry anything to add there for that mouse chase? Yeah I like Concertista I know she's had a setback but they're still going there. Um, she's taken really well to fences. She's a big mare. She has coarse form. Um, I just like her as an individual. Um, I think she could be well involved. Okay, let's move on to our handicap picks. Um, obviously, we can't go through all the handicaps and we also don't have the time to be doing that at this stage. Uh, so we're just going to pick out a few horses we're with or against in terms of how they're priced up at the moment. I will kick things off. I quite like two horses in the handicaps at this stage of what I've looked at. Uh, in the Boodles, I like Too Friendly for Dan Skelton. Bigger price against some of the shortest priced horses in that. Um, he's had a wind operation since we last saw him he's a highly rated horse on the flat in the 90s and they've looked after him for this exact race in mind it's actually a tactic that Dan has taken Barry touched upon it earlier with a good few of his horses coming into this year's festival and it's going to be so interesting to see if the tactic of giving them a long break before the festival pays off the likes of West Cork and Chamblou and this horse too too friendly and protector at loads of his top notches uh, he has campaigned them very very lightly so what what sort of what sort of festival will Dan Skelton have? Well, that is all to play for at this stage. But I like the look of Too Friendly in the Boodles. Um, I think he's got a nice weight. He won a couple of races at the start of the year and then uh, finished behind Porticello and Night Salute, two Triumph Hurdle horses. When we last saw him, had a break, wind up and a race course gallop. Uh, I think he'd be spot on for this. And then the other horse I liked is Fantasticas in the Ultima for the Twiston Davises. Uh, when you last saw him, he was winning at Lingfield and he sort of scraped home in dreadful conditions. He's better than that. He's going to appreciate the trip in the Ultima. He's off a workable mark. He jumps well and it would just be like the Twiston Davises to pull a horse like this, sort of rabbit out of the hat, so to speak, in a race like this with a horse like this. So he's got a nice profile and I don't think we have seen the best of him yet. So those are two of my early fans in the handicaps but Tony it's over to you for what you like and what you don't like in the handicaps please yeah I think the first thing just to point out is uh, the English Irish um, situation in the handicaps and stuff like that uh, much has been made of, of the new approach to handicap and some of the English horses has been, been dropped a little bit quicker I think there has been an unintended consequence to that perhaps in that a lot of the English horses are going to struggle to get into some of these races like the Looking at the top 30 in the nine handicaps, the top 30 in the weights, the lowest number um, of Irish horses in the top 30 is in the Grand Annual with 13 of the top 30. The highest is in the Martin Piper with 22 of the top 30. So Irish horses that want to get a run in the handicaps are getting a run. That's almost guaranteed. And there's races like the Grand Annual and the Ultima that Irish trainers wouldn't have taken an awful lot of interest in in years gone past, but they seem to be very well represented this year. Um, so looking back at the last five years of the festival like Irish trained horses made up 29% of all runners in the handicaps last year that ticked up to 33% I would say easily 
Irish horses could make up 40% of the runners and handicaps this year, if not even more. And while much has been made of maybe English horses and UK horses have been treated a bit more leniently and that been away for maybe more UK-based winners, I think it's going to be cancelled out by just the sheer number of Irish horses that are going to be running in these races. Um, so that's just something to bear in mind. Um, we see next week. I just see the huge number of Irish horses pitching up. I'm actually going to give a couple of negatives here for horses because when I was going through the the handicaps, there were a few just maybe the front end that I wasn't a fan of. Though I will mention one who who is obviously the most interesting horse of all in the handicaps. I think for most people at the minute in terms of just sheer interest, is this um, Gaelic Warrior. Now look, he's a very very hard horse to to know um, what price he should be with this French form, I suppose it is a little bit of playing the man a bit. The very fact that he was given this January entry, uh, sort of a basically an inquiry to see what mark he was, is very interesting. Um, and I know a chap who does a, a lot of work with, with French racing and does the times and stuff like that, and he said that really Gaelic Warrior and Porticello were the two standout horses that were imported this year. So if that's the case, like 129 is going to be lenient. Um, and then you've got the whole trainer improvement angle. Look. Massive field, um, juvenile holders, things can go wrong, but yeah, he, he wouldn't be one that'd be screaming about taking on, definitely not. No, but of the negatives, um, Birchdale, really good winner at Dublin Racing Festival, kind of plotted up for that, having shaped well in the Paddy Power before that. Um, he's kind of quite prominent in the festival plate market. Not really a fan of his, I think that form of that race has worked out quite poorly. It was a race that kind of fell apart because, um, and he almost half the field failed to complete. Three or four of the ones have chased him home were kind of be problem horse and the time was quite slow. So I think he might be one that's kind of worth opposing. Um, Grand Paradis is another one that's quite short in, in some markets for various races, Kim Muir and things like that. Um, if Gordon Elliott gets a festival win out of him, it'll be his one of his greatest training performances. He, his jumping has just been really poor. Um, from the outset he need intensive schooling and stuff like that and the other one just to mention and this is purely just on trainer comments good time johnny there is quite prominent in the coral cup market and stuff like that now he's won three of his last four but his sole defeat actually came at cheltenham and i'm just going to go back to what tony martin said after he won um the dublin racing festival there just gone he said straight after she says no he won't go to cheltenham definitely not he was there in november didn't work out and he didn't like it I just thought that was very, very dogmatic about a horse not handing the track at Cheltenham. So if he pitches up, um, that's probably a concern with him. The couple of horses that I do like in, in the handicaps at the moment, um, first one is Kieran and Mustard in the County Hordle. Lorna Fowler uh, has confirmed him for that race, I think, just today. On average, the Irish handicap hurdles, the non-juveniles, are going up just over £4 uh, from their Irish rating. Now, he's actually been left on his Irish rating at 140. It's probably a consequence of him having run in England already this year when he was second to John Bond in the Kennel Gate at Ascot back in December. Yeah, he was he was never beating the winner, um, but I thought he did still shape a little bit better in the form in second. The race didn't just go his way. Um, he finished well off a kind of a slow pace was actually one that could kind of quite like a strong pace then he had his next start in Dublin Racing Festival uh, 12 lengths behind so Gerhard 6 lengths behind um, 3 stripe life I think that bare form of that would, would give him a chance here and he also I'm not entirely sure he was just at his absolute best there he was off a little bit of a break the ground was a little bit slower than ideal he looks like one now that would, would really like a strongly run race like the County Hordle plenty of cover come late um, could see him running well and the other one Another race for the Friday, um, the Martin Pipe. A lot of runners in it at the minute, but it's there's a lot of horses that are entered elsewhere. There's a lot of horses in graded hurdles, a lot of horses in the Carl Cup, a lot of horses in the County Hurdle. So if you are poking for one there, I wouldn't blame you going down 60, 70, even 80 on the list there because it will cut up. And the one that I like, again, kind of mentioned him before on the on the show here, Banbridge, same with Joshua O'Brien, who's a decent record in the race. Thought he shaped well for break at Christmas. Um, and built on that at Nav in the last time despite not really been suited to be two miles um, looked at coming off toward the fourth best on the run to two out but picked up really well and, and saw it out uh, up the hill I think kind of stepping up to two and a half would suit him one thing about him is he's not almost most fluent hard or like to see him getting quite a prominent ride but um, hopefully that, that they'll get a good um, young jockey to ride him and yeah, he, he would look on a, on a reasonable enough UK mark with potential of more to come Okay, some positives, a few negatives in there as well. Barry, having had a look at the handicaps without going on a sort of deep dive, uh, who caught your eye in terms of horses that you'd want to be on side with going into next week? 
I was really impressed with the tight turns run in Gorham behind Tia Poo, just to travel and jump as well as he did against seasoned horses. I thought that was a really good show for a juvenile, and that's good experience going into the, 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 the Boodles, the Fred Winter. So I think I'd be strong on him. Gaelic Warrior coming in here on your first run over a UK hurdle, having raced over hurdles in France. It's going to be different. It's going to be competitive. You're taking a lot on trust. Willie hasn't won this race before, and maybe that's a reflection on the style of training or whatnot, but Gordon has been very successful in it. So I would be I would be siding with the tide turns on this one. Um, I'd say really impressed with Gordon. Another horse that I do like is I am Maximus. Now he's probably on the cusp of getting into the car. He's in the eighties as well as Tony mentioned, but he has a chance of getting in. He's there with ten six, which is a great weight. He was second to Hillcrest in a novice hurdle in uh, Cheltenham during the season didn't jump as well as he could I think he'd be a horse who would be crying out for headgear so if he lands up on the car with headgear I'd like him he beat my drug on a bumper last season as well so or the season before should I say so he is a smart performer jumper needs to sharpen enough but I think headgear will do that for him okay very good very good let's move on then to the final section of the show which is best bets for the festival um you've already had loads of tips throughout the last hour or so and so this point we really just want the very best of those tony uh for the viewers out there who have stuck with us all season what is your best bet of the festival as things stand right now yeah, I suppose this is this is kind of the challenge of people. A lot of people do a lot of a bit of anti post betting as as things go along um, in the months leading up to the festival and fancying horses. Sometimes they shorten, sometimes they drift, sometimes they don't turn up, sometimes they're brilliant bets. Um, it can be hard sometimes then to, to change your mind and, and, and try to pick out something new. But I'm just going to go with something new there because just because the price is still there, Karen Must in the County Hurdle I think is is pretty fair um, at sixteen to one. There's no point in putting up something there that's is well shortened up or cut the bases um, from a fortnight or four or six weeks ago so let's just go with him because the, the 16 to 1 is still there Okay, Colonel Mustard 16 to 1 uh, he's laid the gauntlet down for you Barry, how are you following <laughs> that up with your best bet please? No, it won't be a 16 to 1 shot um, Sarah Gerhardt won't come off the bridle if he lands up in the Ballymore and I think he will Okay, strong nod towards the Ballymore for Sir Gerhard. Two very different types of best bets there. One big price, one absolute certainty. And he did say earlier in the show, to be fair to you, Barry, that he thought he was a banker at the festival if he shows up in that race. And please God that he does. But that about rounds off the Cheltenham Festival preview from us on Off the Fence. Uh, thank you so much for watching, as always. And do stay tuned all of next week because myself, Barry, and Tony are going to be live throughout the week each evening Monday through to Thursday so Monday night we'll be looking ahead to Tuesday and then there on in the show on an evening will be a review of the week of the day's action the day before and obviously a preview of the following day and so we're thoroughly looking forward to that we're going to be live on all the digital channel channels as always and it's going to be great fun me and Barry in person in a studio in Cheltenham and then Tony will be joining us through the magic of technology and the help with the guys behind the scenes I absolutely cannot wait it's going to be four brilliant days so i hope you'll be able to join us on the evenings as well but for now that was it thank you very much for watching this was off the fence <laughs>